my first son while I was in, still in high school. So incidentally, both of my parents were teenagers when they had me and at the point dealt with substance abuse. And so that forced my sister and I to be raised by my grandmother and extended family. Hello everyone, welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. Thank you for joining us. We have another unique and really inspiring guest for you today. Shaniqua Davis in the Massachusetts area joined us to share her career story. And I think you're really gonna benefit from this. Shaniqua had a few twists and turns in her early life and then she got interested in tax. From there, she ended up contacting the Massachusetts CPA Society in hopes of finding some additional help for funding her education. And it was through that interaction that she became more familiar with what a CPA truly is and how that path may make a difference in her own life. She now runs a tax advisory service and she happens to be an enrolled agent as well. So make sure you listen to that part of the show. I learned a few things myself from that part of the discussion. She just overall has a very unique and inspirational story. She's also very real and very transparent about her own life. You're really gonna enjoy this one. I very much appreciate her willingness to share with us. And I also want to shout out to the people at the Massachusetts CPA Society for the referral. I always appreciate referrals. If you find value in this for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials there. We have books, we have blogs, we have other podcasts, and even a few tools for employers as well. If you're an employer or a professional looking to grow your own career, one publication that may interest you is our newest book, 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. We wrote it for both employers and job-seeking professionals that are looking to use a headhunter or maybe considering it to further their own search or deepen their own search. It's 49 tips for working with a headhunter, and you can find it on Amazon, of course, or for immediate delivery on our website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Shaniqua Davis. Shaniqua, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. No problem. Today's guest is Shaniqua Davis. Shaniqua is both a CPA and an enrolled agent with her own tax advisory service in the Massachusetts area. And I invite her on the show based on a referral from another recent guest up in the northeastern U.S. I was told she had a unique personal story and obviously was successful as well. So it, it really just piqued my interest, and I had to reach out and find out a little more. And as it turns out, yes, Shaniqua has quite a story to share with us. If you've ever felt like you had a few challenges in life that were hindering you from moving forward and you weren't quite sure if you were going to be able to make it, then what you needed is hope. And I think Shaniqua's story is going to give us all a little bit of a booster shot in that area. Well, Shaniqua, now that I've sort of primed the audience a little bit, let's start Mm -hmm. the story like we do with all our guests. Tell us how you initially decided to pursue accounting as a possible career in the first place. It was after an opportunity to participate in a mentorship program at my high school. 
I was able to shadow an executive of that company and eventually work for them part-time and also obtain full-time employment right when I finished high school. It was pretty much in that role where I was able to gain some exposure and experience as a tax professional working with, you know, major organization that facilitated the relationships with clients and that had operated in foreign countries. It was just after um, having my second son that I had begun to experience some health issues that would just shift my world. And so in an attempt to reestablish my life, I wanted to finish my education. And so I knew that tax was an area that I wanted to work in. I preferred tax because in some ways, it just made sense to me. There would be scenarios in which I would be watching a home makeover show or somebody would talk about a large purchase that they made or different things. And I would naturally just kind of think about what the tax implications were in those scenarios. So I knew that I wanted to pursue tax. It's funny because I always joke about how when I remember watching the Oprah show and she was giving away cars and everybody was all excited and I was sitting there looking like she's going to have to pay tax on that. And like, who, who does that? <laughs> I applied for the MST program right after undergrad, after I finished my undergrad degree and I was not accepted. So then I went on to complete the master's in science and accounting graduate degree. And it was in that program that I had connected with my professors that noticed I did really well in tax-specific or tax-focused courses. Interesting. I want to say, just in case Oprah is a listener, I think you're probably one of the few people that are thinking about the tax implications. (laughs) She's giving those out. Exactly. (laughs) It's probably a little presumptuous of me to think that Oprah would listen to this show too, but I can dream. Hopefully she does. I I can dream. (laughs) Did you have some early experience in tax and and found you were interested that way or or was it through that shadowing of the individual then? So it was through that shadowing of the individual. They worked for an investment firm. And I don't know if you recall, I had said that right after I was able to obtain full-time employment right after high school. So I had worked part-time while I was in high school. And then right when I finished the uh, month that I graduated, they had offered me a full-time job and I was working on taxes there with the clients that had operated in foreign countries. Wow. You had some Mm -hmm. high quality challenging experience just right out of high school. That was wow. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for sure. For sure. Yeah, the mentorship program, I would have to say it was is key and I think is often important. I push that even when I connect with students now. It's really important for the student to get a perspective as to what that potential career looks like for them. And so it can also help them just be successful if they get a sense of what that role looks like. So shadowing my mentor at the time, it just kind of expanded my view as to what I wanted to do. Because initially, when the mentorship program came up in my high school, we were asked what role did we want to shadow? And I said fashion or banking, because those were the only things I knew on a really low level. And so when I had a chance to shadow my mentor, who's become my mentor now, you know, he was at an investment firm, really high level. And so it just changed and shifted my perspective. And then the opportunity to work part-time and then eventually work full-time really just kind of pushed and changed my mindset as to the different things that I wanted to do. 
I know you are self-employed now. You have your own business. And I definitely <laughs> want to get to that. Um, I don't want to miss any of the, the steps in the middle. Tell us about, I guess, the time between you know completing your master's degree and, and starting your own business. What, what were those earlier years like for you? If I can, I want to kind of back up to just the growing up part and how my oh, life yeah. was really difficult before getting to that point in the inner city of Boston called Roxbury. And I had my first son while I was in, still in high school. So incidentally, both of my parents were teenagers when they had me and at the point dealt with substance abuse. And so that forced my sister and I to be raised by my grandmother and extended family. Although I had always been driven in a sense and really pushed to provide for my son and I, I also wanted to contribute to the household so that way my grandmother didn't have to carry all of the burden. So I was oftentimes working two jobs or going to school. But I do recall that after I had my second son, like I said, there was a shift and sometime after I felt strong enough to, you know, kind of get back in the swing of things. It was then that I reached out to the Mass Society to really, I only reached out to them for financial support and paying for school, but it was in that phone call and that relationship that I discovered what a CPA was or certified public accountant was because prior to that, I had no exposure. I knew of no one who was in the industry, although I had worked in tax at this investment firm, like that credential wasn't necessarily highlighted. So I would just have to say that the Massachusetts Society was really my lifeline to this potential career and where I am now. Wow. Were you just applying to college at the time? I was going back to school. So if you recall, I talked about having that health situation that shift the perspective and kind of changed my life. I was trying to get back into things and finish school because after I finished high school, I had this full-time job, which was great. So I was able to provide for my son and I and myself and move on my own. But I was going to school part-time to also finish my degree, but going much at a slower pace because I was working full-time and I had a son. I was a teenager that had a son. So, Wow. Just for those listeners that may be doing many other things at the same time that they're going to mm-hmm. school, like you were having to juggle a lot, you know, just, just, just for their benefit, I, I'm curious, how long did it take you to get through school and finish that master's? Initially, when I graduated from high school, I worked, was working full-time and would go to school part-time at night. So it wasn't until after I had my second son, which was a number of years later where I had those medical issues and needed to take a medical leave from that full-time job, a number of years after that where I was able to kind of, you know, get my life back on track, I said, okay, Shanique, are you going to go to school and, you know, position yourself differently, you know, really just move forward? At that point, I had went to uh, Northeastern University full-time as an undergrad. And so that took me up two and a half years to finish my undergrad degree. And then remember I said I applied to the um, master's in taxation program because I knew I was a natural tax person, but I had ended up enrolling in the uh, master's science and accounting program because I knew I needed that graduate degree to kind of push me back into the realm that I was used to being at uh, when I was at that investment firm. Okay. Wow, you, you definitely have a story of not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. There's a number of challenges I experienced, even getting to the point of having my own firm as well. 
So when did you start your own firm and, and what was that decision process like? I've always been an entrepreneur for the most part. And while I majored in undergrad um, in accounting and finance, I filled most of my electives with business, entrepreneurship, and psychology classes. I had started bookkeeping when I was going through my undergrad program. And I was also working for tax firms during peak season to give myself perspective as to what I was learning from the academic perspective and practice the real world and be able to combine what I was learning. It wasn't until I found myself taking on a lot of clients that needed IRS representation that I determined that it was possible for me to start my own company. Is that a major part of your practice today? Absolutely. IRS representation is, I want to say, about 75% of my work. Okay. That must be the reason for the EA. Yeah. So that was really really (laughs) unintentional, Mark. I was working for a firm while I was going to school, and though I was progressing towards the requirement to obtain my CPA, I had gained some responsibility in that role and really needed a designation that would not restrict my ability to help the clients or reach out to the IRS on their behalf. So I had sat for the enrolled agent exam first because it was going to take me some time to get my CPA and I needed something almost immediately before I could finish that out. Okay. I figured that must have come first, but then I was looking at your story and I wasn't sure. 75% IRS representation. That's interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because I really don't know and that's why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it adds benefit now, you know, continuing to be an EA now that you're a Absolutely. Absolutely. So as an enrolled agent, I'm able to practice across states without asking for reciprocity. So it just works from a tax advisory representation standpoint if I need to connect or work with the state authorities. A lot of them have exemptions for the enrolled agents. Okay. I had not thought about that. Okay. Thank you. Well, what were the early days like in your business? Or were there any any big challenges that you remember or or any early wins? (laughs) Gosh. So I would have to say there were two challenges that really stand out that I can think of now. Like I'm sure there's a whole lot along the way, but I would have to say one of the things was identifying my market and who I wanted to service because, you know, naturally when you think of a tax firm or a CPA firm, the IRS representation is not necessarily a huge component. That just kind of developed out of my exposure and my access in the industry. So once I identified what I was doing, it was a little easier to decide and decipher what I would not do and understand what opportunities that I would accept or that I wouldn't accept. I would have to say another challenge I experienced earlier on was working in a male-dominant industry, right? So oftentimes, Being that I am the owner of the firm, I'm working with the business owners who are often men. And in an individual context, I'm working with the husband who handles the finances and the filings. And I had to learn fairly quickly not to correlate my worth with the client's attempt to negotiate an engagement. That was really, really hard (laughs) in the beginning. So I had to determine situations in which I would be flexible on the price of a job or work and then, you know, where there was no room for negotiation. In terms of my win, I would have to say my results. Like whenever my clients obtain favorable results, I really celebrate with them. 
Okay, I'm really going to go off path here, but there's some gold I, I, need, <laughs> I need to pick out. <laughs> As a female business owner, and you were yeah. talking about the, the male-dominated business world, I, I may not even say this right, but you implied that males may tend to negotiate more or negotiate oh. differently, you know. So what if you had to do as a female business owner to learn to counteract that or to, to learn to deal with it, for lack of a better term? Because I'm thinking about future female business owners in America and then even those that are, are currently, you know, where you are just a few years behind. I would have to say that oftentimes because of my role as an advisor, I often go into a room where I am the only woman. And so I have to learn where I hold my position and I don't necessarily compromise on what I believe my worth is. And I understand what I, the value that I bring to the entire situation. So that wasn't, that didn't come natural. That came after a number of years, the firm that I was working at where I had gained that additional responsibility where I needed the enrolled agent designation, the partner was a male. And so I noticed that if I was the primary person on the engagement, that I would get more pushback as opposed to him. And so I knew that and identified that early on. So I would do things like read books on other women leaders, and it really just helped reaffirm and support my position as to my worth and my value as a woman um, in the industry. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. All of us need to understand that just because somebody's trying to negotiate with us doesn't mean that what we have is less valuable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) I had to learn that quickly. (laughs) I mean, in some cases, a lot of the guys, you know, they are naturally negotiated. So if they have a business and a few that I can think of, they have investments into different assets. And so they're in their job, they negotiate consistently. So for them, it's just part of their work. And I had to make sure not to correlate that with my work or my values. It's, it's a lot easier now. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I could tell there was a story there, so I sure I didn't, didn't miss it. So, so tell us about your business now. Do you have any employees? Obviously, it's IRS representation, a large part of mm-hmm. it, but tell us about the rest. To give us a snapshot, so to speak. So my business is primarily, it's not volume-based, I'll tell you that. We provide a certain level of expertise and support to our clients that is not necessarily available to other taxpayers. My goal would eventually be to primarily assist or provide services from a compliance consultant standpoint. I do have employees. I remember just this past tax season, I had a number of challenges because my business essentially grew more than I had anticipated and I had a limited capacity. So I had to quickly hire some administrative um, help whereas more, you know, other tax firms are hiring staff sooner. And so that I had some challenges there with hiring staff and it's not necessarily them, but me being prepared to release and move the workload to um, my staff and not necessarily doing it myself the way I was used to. Well, good for you, delegating is the, the hardest part. <laughs> that is very hard. I'm very hands-on. I'm very particular about my brand. So I've learned the hard way to uh, release that. (laughs) Now, 
if I understood this correctly, and I don't know, maybe it's not current, but I, I think I saw somewhere that you're an adjunct professor as well. Is that still current? Yeah, that's true. So there's a message for my madness, Mark. <laughs> okay. I'm like, how do you find the time? <laughs> I know. So initially, I was seriously contemplating doing the PhD program. And ah. just to kind of give you background, I've been adjunct at my alma mater for about four years now, and I work really close with my former professor and my mentor. So the one, the professor I said that mentioned or that noticed I did really well in the tax focus course. So I work really close with him. So that that's a good thing. The other part is I teach two courses that are highly technical graduate tax courses. So by the time a student enrolls in that program, they have reached a certain level in their career. They're extremely smart, they're older, and they don't require a lot of hand-holding. I have to say that my role as adjunct has minimized my anxiety when I speak publicly. It also taught me, or being adjunct, one of the things that I enjoy about being adjunct, it teaches me how to break down the information and present it to an audience that will process it and interpret it in different ways. That has been something that I would not have been able to gain in practice or any other arena. Being adjunct has really allowed me to do that. Plus, I get to connect with other professionals and share some of what they learn and share what I learn in practice. And so it just allows me to make those meaningful connections, and it just helps expand how I can function for my clients. So if you notice, I am careful about my wording you know, I speak more slowly now, whereas before uh, it was all jumbled and I was speaking super fast. So <laughs> that's been what's worked out for me for my experiences at adjunct. It really just helps me present better. Do you still see a PhD in your future maybe or is that postponed? I, maybe, maybe. So it's definitely on hold for now. All of my energy, even though I am adjunct. Um, and a mom and a wife and all these other things, it is definitely on hold for now because I just don't have the time to invest into it. But, I mean, I always say my oldest son is in college or he just went to college and my youngest is seven. So I always say, you know, maybe when they're 30, I'll go back for my Ph.D. Okay. I just had to ask. You you dropped (laughs) it in there. (laughs) (laughs) You you benefited greatly, it sounds like, from at least finding out about the Massachusetts CPA Society. And, and I'm a little biased in this area because I'm, I'm <laughs> active at our state level and the local level and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I believe in it. But what would you say to individuals that you know, feel like they don't have the time maybe to get involved or they don't understand the benefits? You know, how, how would you verbalize the benefits of being involved in the state society? The way I perceive it, like most things... We, as as people, find it difficult to make time for things that are good for us. If you recall from earlier, I talk about how I look at other people's lives or I do a lot of research. And I found that being a part of a community that shares common interests or goals in an area has shown to improve a number of things for those individuals that become a part of that community. Being that we are in the industry as accountants, are in an industry that is highly stressful, demanding, and can um, place a tremendous burden on us, 
I like connecting with the Massachusetts Society of CPAs because there are a number of resources that they have just provided for me and that they have available in general to individuals throughout their career in different stages. I'll give you an example. I remember being at the staff level a number of years ago, and I felt really isolated and unsupported. And remember, I told you that I had connected with the society before I decided to pursue the CPA. So they were really my lifeline. So when I was in that space, I remember reaching out to them just to see if there was a resource for other successful leaders who were women and were experiencing the struggles that I was experiencing. You know, I was married at the time. I'm raising children. I'm feeling, you know, like I'm not present in every area and I'm still trying to progress professionally. So when I reached out to them, they would connect me with other women CPAs who had gone through some of what I went through, or I could be a part of different networking events to kind of just give me perspective on this career that I'm embarking and moving into. Sometimes, especially as a tax professional, being primarily tax, if you're a a wife, you um, have a spouse that is, and you you have children, you have a spouse that's caring for the children, and oftentimes they feel or they pretty much operate like they're essentially single parents. And so connecting with the society has just helped me a number of ways throughout my career. And if I fast forward to now, I would have to say one of the opportunities that they presented is what we call the woman's mentor circle. And I love this circle because I'm connected with other women who are brilliant and leaders and successful in their own right. And we get a chance to discuss a number of challenges and our experiences. We give insight and advice as to how we've overcome. And then even some of those women that are part of the group that don't necessarily have children or want children or may not be married, they can get a sense of what that life Um, looks like for a colleague and even support their upcoming staff who will experience those challenges to help on uh, retention in the industry because I know that's a challenge as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think when we start thinking about state involvement or to understand how we might be giving back to the profession, I agree with you, though. I think that a lot of times we really uh, discount or, or don't realize you know, how much we're getting back, <laughs> you know, yeah. all, all that activity, because it, well, it's a little less direct, but, but you, you walk away feeling better, you know. I think if I didn't have the support and uh, was not able to connect with the community with others in the profession, because our profession is really unique in a way that, you know, if you're in a profession, you only you understand what that other um, professional is going through. And so it can be really challenging to stay in a profession, but when you connect with an organization like the state societies, not just Massachusetts, but the state societies, you know, it can really just help you grow professionally and then also shift your perspective as to the early challenges in the profession. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions, and I want to make sure that I leave enough time for that because it's very important. But there was one question that I wanted to make sure that I asked you. If you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice, what do you think that might be? I would tell my younger self to be flexible and definitely shift my perspective. 
I remember when I first took the CPA exam, how difficult and discouraging it was, and I wasn't going to continue it. But I'm glad, I'm really glad that I did finally push past all of the challenges, personal challenges and professional challenges to get to the point of obtaining that designation. Definitely keep pushing through. Wonderful. Well, like I mentioned, I do end every podcast with the same three questions because I think it gives us some consistency across the shows and and we get a lot of a value out of the last few questions. So the first one's usually the easiest. Mm -hmm. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? My proudest moment, I would have to say, would just be being able to, you know, hold my position on my value when I am, you know, working in a capacity as an advisor in that room full of men and not compromising on what I bring to the table and what my worth is. I really am at the point now where I just, I do take a seat at the table. Beautiful. Well, second question, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. (laughs) And and the more you can tell us about the situation, the better it is, of course, because that's how we learn. So I always envision being a non-traditional tax consultant agency that, like I said, provided a lot of value and invested in those that worked with me or for me. And I did not do a good job this past tax season. I feel like I learned in terms of learning the hard way, I had to realize what my limitations were and shift my perspective in terms of the demand and what I needed to look for in terms of support. This particular tax season was extremely challenging in that we had the tax reform, we had the government shut down and, you know, all the changes with the forms and the withholding. And like I said earlier, I had needed to hire some administrative help to release some of those tasks. And I did not do a good job on training them and preparing them for the demands of my clients. So I, there was a lot of hands-on trial by error experience this past tax season that I am definitely preparing for differently as I move forward. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've heard a lot of you know similar stories <laughs> across the industry. Good. It was sort of the perfect storm in tax. You know, we've we've got a a very tight labor market, and then on top of it, you had all these changes. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say that my that like they did really well, and I mean, I gave them non-critical work, but it was just a lot more stress on me trying to balance it all and, you know, deal with the growing part of the challenges with everything. Sure. Well, last question, then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I'm not sure why I picked this up, Mark. I always stretch myself beyond my comfort zone. So remember I said I the adjunct role helps minimize my anxiety when speaking publicly. Although I dread it every time I do it, I push myself in ways where I hopefully eventually become more comfortable in those roles. And then in terms of personal advice, all of the juggling and struggles and where I felt like I lacked as a mother and a wife Someone told me years ago that even though it's hard being away from my children when they're younger, you're trying to balance doctor's appointments and practices and games and still be available and and carry your weight professionally, whether it's a client meeting or a networking event, 
they told me that my presence would be more necessary as they approached those teenage years. And that has definitely helped me improve and to be true. So I tell every young professional that's coming up behind me with young children that I, you know, I promise, I know it's hard when you have to determine, you know, if you're hitting your billable hours or you home with that sick child, I promise it's not as bad when they're younger. It, you want to shift your availability when they're approaching those teenage years and be available more than Beautiful. Well, that, that, that's very practical advice to end this on. Thank you. It's very, very useful. And many of us okay. can put that into, into practice today. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a balance. You have to balance. Beautiful. Well, for the audience, this has been Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet come out to the website, please do so. We have a tremendous amount of accounting career-related content there for you. We just released our second book. Plus, we have a few other surprises coming down the road. So make sure you check us out, www.whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Shaniqua, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I would like to say that all of my perceived barriers or setbacks that I experienced in life eventually would position me or be a benefit as I move forward to the next level. And so just, I guess, highlighting the idea of shifting perspective, that would be my last piece of advice. Wonderful. Well said. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us as well. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.